0: To episode 14 of Roaring Twenties Radio, the monthly Soho radio show for art, culture, books, poetry, and activism. My name is Matt Abbott, I'm a poet and activist from Wakefield, and Roaring Twenties Radio is also presented by Selena Godden, a poet and activist, and Amma Rose Abrams, an arts journalist. This month's episode is a special on Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death, which is Selena Godden's debut novel. It's published by Canongate next week on Thursday the 28th of January, and we're all incredibly excited to read it and to see it out in the world. So... During this episode, we're going to start off with my Roundup from the World of Poetry. Following that, we'll have Amarosa's Roundup from the World of Art. And then the second half of the show is going to be an in-depth interview with Selena, And then some extracts from the Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death audiobook. And also some songs that Selena has chosen from the Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death Spotify playlist, which is going to go live when the book is published next week. So it's a jam-packed show. We're really, really excited to bring this to you this month. You can follow us on Twitter, at roaring Twenties Radio. The 20s is 20s. You'll also find us on Facebook and Instagram under the same handle. We'll be tweeting throughout the show links to the songs and artists featured. Um, you can join in and give us your reactions and also share it as well. So once this show has aired on Soho Radio, it's available as a podcast. In all of the usual podcast providers, you can find all of the previous episodes Either in your regular podcast provider or at anchor.fm slash Roaring Twenties Radio. So strap yourselves in, pour yourselves a drink, get yourselves comfy, and this is episode 14 of Roaring Twenties Radio. Cheers.
1: I put a spell on you. mind Stop the things you do things you do
0: This is Matt Abbott with my roundup from the world of poetry and spoken word. I'm going to pick five things that I want to speak about. So first off, I want to speak about Amanda Gorman, who, as you all know, captured the hearts and minds of people around the world earlier this week when she became the youngest ever poet to read a president's inauguration in the US. She's from Los Angeles, um, she's the first ever US National Youth Poet Laureate and she read her poem The Hill We Climb, um, which blew people away. She really, really stole the show from Joe Biden, which I'm sure he didn't mind too much. Uh, she has a collection coming out, which is also called The Hill We Climb and it instantly became a number one bestseller on book sites around the world. So that's Amanda Gorman, um, who really, really made waves and just became a a worldwide celebrity overnight, uh, which is fantastic to see. Uh, Keris Matthews who's obviously better known for being a musician and a DJ, uh, she's been involved in an album uh, which has just come out called We Come From The Sun and basically Keris worked with a hidden orchestra to compose some music uh, and then they chose 10 poets and they recorded it at Abbey Road Studios Um, and it's an absolutely stunning album so the poets in Involved include Raymond Antrobus, Lem Sise, Liz Berry, Kim Moore, Kyo Chingonye. And it's just a stunning collaboration, really. I'm going to play you one of the tracks in this show. Um, That's Keris Matthews, and the album is called We Come From The Sun, and it's available in all of the usual places. Um, I'd like to speak about Write Out Loud, which is an organisation that I'm involved with. Um, Write Out Loud have launched a fundraiser to help them continue supporting the poetry community. Uh, they've done some amazing work already. Before I came on board, they, they had a project called Beyond the Storm, which was initially a poetry competition which attracted two and a half thousand entries from around the world. And the winning entrants went into an anthology which was sold to raise funds for NHS charities. Um, and that raised nearly £8,000 for NHS charities. Uh, Right Out Loud want to be able to continue to support people from open micers to prize winners all across the poetry network, all around the world in the poetry community. I've come on board to help them with that, and they've launched a fundraiser. Um, There's a fundraising event on Thursday the 28th that includes appearances from poets including Tony Walsh and Rachel Long. It's free, it's on their Facebook page, and it's Right Out Loud, as in W-R-I-T-E, Out Loud. Um, So yeah, check that out. Uh, if you are a budding poet and you've got a manuscript which you'd like to submit, there are several really good opportunities now on the sort of alternative independent poetry scene. So first of all, Bad Betty, their submissions are open for black, brown and Asian writers until the 31st of January. So you've got until the end of this month to submit your manuscript for either a collection or a pamphlet. That's for black, brown and Asian writers with Bad Betty Press. Uh, Burning Eye books, their doors are already um. Their window is already open. It's open until the 28th of February. Burning Eye books tend to look at performance poets, slam poets, spoken word artists, people who uh, predominantly exist on the stage in terms of their work. Um, Burning Eye, fantastic publishers. So they're open until the 28th of Feb. And then following that, For the month of March, you can submit to Verve Poetry Press. So Verve, they're based in the Midlands. They're a really um, fantastic indie press, and their opportunity is going to be open all the way through March. Um, And that leads me to my last point, uh, which is very sad. Um, Earlier this week, we lost a poet called Leon Priestnall, who was on Verve Poetry Press. Uh, Leon was a pillar of the Birmingham poetry community, uh, which is such a tight-knit family. He was a wonderful poet. He's a wonderful person. Um, his collection, Bennett's Hill Blues, is now available free of charge from Verve Poetry Press. All you have to do is pay the P&P on it. Um, it's a heartbreaking loss. A lot of people in the poetry community are still grieving for Leon. Um so I just wanted to pay tribute to him and say rest in peace. It is it is heartbreaking, but it's a beautiful thing that Verve are doing by making his collection available free of charge. Um so that is my roundup, and now we're gonna have a track. Cheers. <laughs>
2: Dad reads aloud. I follow his finger across the page. Sometimes his finger moves past words tracing white space. He makes the moon say something new every night to his deaf son who slurs his speech. Sometimes his finger moves past words tracing white space. Tonight it gives the moon my name but I can't say it. His deaf son who slurs his speech. Dad taps the page, says, try again. Tonight it gives the moon my name, but I can't say it. I say, Raynan Ackerbock. He laughs. Dad taps the page, says, try again. But I like making him laugh. I say my mistake again. I say, Raynan Ackerbock. He laughs, says, Raymond, you're something else. I like making him laugh, I say my mistake again Raynan Ackerbock What else will help us? He says, Raymond, you're something else I'd like to be the moon, the bear, even the rain Raynan Ackerbock What else will help us hear each other, really hear each other? I'd like to be the moon, the bear, even the rain Dad makes the moon say something new every night and we hear each other, really hear each other. As Dad reads aloud, I follow his finger across the page.
0: So now I'm going to play you a couple of tracks from the Livewire by Lockdown project, which was something that I produced with my Nims and Thugs label just before Christmas. So this involved working with four poets. Each of the poets chose an underrepresented community of their choice to deliver workshops with. They then were paired with an artist from a different discipline, which they chose... To create a piece in response. So, we commissioned them to write something in response to this community. Um, and the results were absolutely incredible. I was really blown away by it. So, the four poets involved were Sahima Manzur Khan, Sile Katebi, Kirsty Taylor, and Sean Mahoney. And the whole process was wonderful. It all took place online, so it was in response to COVID. Um, The workshops were all packed, they were all full, and the results, as I say, absolutely blew my mind. So these were all released as singles in December. We did an online premiere event, which was streamed live on Facebook. We released the singles on Bandcamp, and they're now available to stream or download in all of the usual places. But I would thoroughly recommend going to the Nims and Fogs YouTube channel and watching these videos, because that's where the commission's really come to life. So first, uh, I'm going to play you the the commission piece by Sahama Manzur Khan. So Sahama works with refugees and asylum seekers. We had people joining the workshops from Europe as well as around the UK um, who travelled from all over the world um, on their journey as a refugee or an asylum seeker. Her piece is called An Island of Sirens and you have to watch the video. There's a time lapse animation by an illustration artist called Ala Al-Saraji um, set to Sahima's poem. It is breathtaking but the poem stands up on its own of course so I'm going to play you it now. This is Sahima Manzar Khan with An Island of Sirens.
3: The channel is a graveyard, the Mediterranean is a cemetery, the beaches are barbed wire, the sandcastles are detention centres, the living are almost the dead, but the dead are merely tragedies. Tragedy. A death that occurs untimely, unannounced, accidental, no cause, no perpetrator, no one to be held account. Our prayers and thoughts are with the deceased, every time a baby's body is found. This is the slogan of an island of sirens that make shipwrecks out of refugees, make refugees out of names they decided are too difficult to pronounce, decide it's too difficult to name the consequence of the legacy of their actions, making myth out of the past, paperwork out of people. Our prayers and thoughts are with the deceased, is the slogan of an island of sirens that has sung deceptive songs for centuries britannia rule the waves sung into a seashell that does nothing but roll the noise back and forth round and round rule the waves rule the waves rule the waves waves that choke waves that bury waves that submerge boats that upturn boats that flood bodies bodies that flood shores our prayers and thoughts are with the deceased The Channel is a graveyard, the Mediterranean is a cemetery, the beaches are barbed wire, the sandcastles are detention centres, and Britain is an island of sirens. Singing centuries of songs that taunt from behind the ocean spray a folklore of superiority Never mentioning that the travellers were tyrants The sailors were soldiers The merchants were miners The administration was a racket of wealth now limited to only those inside its shores Out of reach of the children of the ghostly hands that made it Our prayers and thoughts are with the deceased according to some sources sirens were also cannibals atop islands surrounded by carcasses of their own consumption corpses with the last drop of life squeezed out in order to pump into theirs a circulatory system of extraction from the compost heap of history they salivate at the stench truly a tragedy they implore it must stop our prayers and thoughts are with the deceased while the beaches are made into barbed wire whilst the whole people are made into empty shells sandcastles are turned into privately owned prisons piranha-like frenzied feeding off the catchings in their nets if the waves do not claim you for the ocean crypt the corporate fortress will The barricade on every street, in every workplace, on every housing contract will. This island is both tomb and tomb raider, sucking every last bit from the bones, then throwing them over its gate-kept shoulders on chartered flights, in chains and fetters and through secret letters. But our prayers and thoughts are with the deceased. The channel is a graveyard the mediterranean is a cemetery the beaches are barbed wire the sandcastles are detention centers the living are almost the dead but the dead are not merely tragedies for there are no tragedies under tyranny and there is nothing natural about this island because even as deep as a trench has been dug into the sand it can still be washed away and even as tight as the barbed wire is coiled into the ground it can still be uprooted even a life jacket filled with lead cannot take you to the ocean floor if somebody on the land holds onto your hand. The dreams of the dead are not drowned when they are, and the multitude of people holding hands is its own type of sea, that surely, when on an island of sirens who sing their own praises from atop a pile of carcasses, have the power to sink it to the ocean floor.
0: That was Manzer Khan with An Island of Sirens. And now I'm going to play Sylee Katebi's piece. So Sylee delivered workshops for black writers aged 16 to 25 and then opened that up to writers of colour of all ages um, and, he, and he wrote a piece called Inheritance so for his collaborative commission he paired up with a, a movement practitioner called Deepraj Singh and they devised a movement piece. Um, the video was recorded by Dan Martin and it is absolutely breathtaking so again I urge you to check out the video on the Nins and Thugs YouTube channel um, but this audio recording I'm going to play features Siley's poem Inheritance as well as musical backing by a producer called David J Gledhill so this is one of his piano tracks called Petrichor as a backing to Siley poem Inheritance it's a really really powerful piece and i hope you enjoy it it's available to stream and download everywhere um, this is Sile Katebi with Inheritance
4: Our fathers and their fathers flow through us. We carry their likeness in our bodies, lullabies and lost stories. All estuary and flood, water and blood, these are our family trees. These waterways are the ancestral cartographers who help plot a path into new pastures. We listen as they speak knowing that the meek shall inherit the work of old rivers shepherding water from the well to open sea through a splintering network of language. Legacy is a rudderless rowboat wrestling time and everything it took to uncover the ghosts that crowd our gullets, fruit from forgotten seeds. Our throats are thick with the silent letters that make our names. And we sound every syllable of inheritance with gusto knowing nobody stuttered who didn't drown in this profession navigating the blotted banks of allegory for the spectators mispronouncing the current trying to learn our hymns and tithes we are the sons who threw all the ugly into our limbs to tread water fighting the current fit into forgotten words pretty doesn't fit too well in these floods. There is a word for paddling through flood water I never had the chance to learn.
0: Was Silekatebe with inheritance, and now we're going to hear from Kirsty Taylor. So Kirsty delivered some socially distanced workshops in Bradford to care-experienced young people. Um, Kirsty herself has experience working in the care system, and it was really important to her to give a platform to these voices. So after she delivered the sessions, she went away and wrote a poem called "Go Safe." Um, We then paired her with music producer Souls, and the two of them worked together to create this music track. Uh, It's absolutely breathtakingly good. Um, the visual on YouTube is paired with a photograph by a Bradford based photographer called John Bollaton. But this is the only commission of the four which is um, predominantly an audio commission. So I'm really, really excited to play this track now. So, again, this is available to stream or download in all of the usual places. Uh, this is Kirsty Taylor and Souls with Go Safe. <laughs>
5: Go safe. Be glad with them Aldi bags weighted with everything you own, loaded in fingertips as you Google your dad's name to find out you have no but an hand poked feather into skin. Heavy is a chair that isn't supposed to be lifted above your head, eyes and ears pressed to the glass, crossed mesh wires that could, will, cut you up forever when your fist tells us to open that fucking door. We can't. But we clean the bath and try and make it nice for you don't get in Your social worker can't answer right now So it's a big kick-off We mean crisis, crying, crushed You hide budgies in easter egg boxes A crow in your wardrobe A friend on your shoulder A secret in the bus stop A sig at the bus stop A fuck-off at the bus stop Fake babies, faces and favours And a pram on a doorstep And a Range Rover at the curb Tinted windows and a cracked out smile Five quid for the barbers and a bite on your neck Broken blackberries and bank pocket money Twos off staff, young lass Go safe Double decker bus eyes look into your bedrooms But nobody knows you are here Go safe We say at the ends of shifts where night times drift into locked fridges, doors and unlocked nightmares. And half an hour longer and one last sick, And who's on tonight? And your bedroom light is kept on till morning. Cause the darkness knows you well. It brought you up, didn't it? When you had no one, you sat on its knee, tucked your toes underneath, whispered in its ear before you'd sleep, waiting for it to catch the tears from your cheeks. Can I just say, you know you lot, yeah? You are not weak, how can you be? When your own spirit has been mum, has been dad and has taught you how to be So your bedroom light is still on, but the teachers are scared of you You are a blazing light, a raging fight, crazy right? You can't put the extinguisher down because you've been fighting fires all your life So we prize it from your fingers and bleeding knuckles And try listen and guess what you might need Wipe tears away with heavy sleeves. Day to breathe, day to breathe. A day to breathe. Go see. Your whole life is lived on breadlines, last crust and crumbs of houses, no gardens, just sheds and shells of an home Bagged up estate playgrounds is all you've ever known two-stripe trainers no socks playing out in big brothers bobble tracksuit tops with nobody calling you in go safe you'll come back when you're ready when it's time to cool down on lino floors watch washing machines like tellies and listen to your mum get battered before carving your name into bunk bed frames and lines into your eyebrows and cuts into your skin bitten nails, sore thumbs, scabby elbow homegrown DIY haircut and me down kits the lamppost lights your bedroom fills your head but you feel empty as you wait for the bad time stories of which there have been plenty we help you pack your bags but you're the only one who can carry them now you are forced to make your own space keep your sense safe Do you feel ready for the world? Do you feel enough? Did the caravan holidays make you feel loved? Do you know that love is the antidote to tough, not the opposite? So you can be both, and you are, go
0: safe. That was Kirsty Taylor featuring Souls with go safe. And last but not least, I want to play you Sean Mahoney's piece. So Sean delivered workshops online to boxers and boxing enthusiasts. Uh, Sean himself grew up as a boxer um, and boxed with Islington Boxing Club. His show about it called Until You Hear That Bell is one of the best shows I've ever seen. He's a phenomenally talented writer who works across a range of disciplines. Um, So Sean wrote this piece called A Vulnerable Area. Um, He took a load of photographs and some video footage at Islington Boxing Club and created um, a montage piece with those. We then paired him with an an artist called Sadie St. Hilaire, who animated and illustrated some of those images to create a really powerful visual piece. Uh, Sean then started working on a soundscape to go underneath his vocal and worked a little bit with Gabriel Jones, who sort of built the soundscape up even more so there's quite a few people involved in this it's really really fantastic piece uh, this is Sean Mahoney with A Vulnerable Area
6: Oh Carl stop faffing around just say what you want to say I wanted you to hear this from me before someone else got into your ear
7: Isabel is having a baby and I am the father
8: An episode of Neighbours and Three Minute Noodles. Then you pack the bag, t-shirt wraps, put on big coat and go. Through the park with the lights off, benches filled with cautionary tales. Over the fence, middle of the estate, before the door opens, I hear the echo of a blow, followed by the twinkle of a chain. And from the sound alone I know, Jetmere is the first to train. Second floor of the town hall. Gold's Club on Thursdays. The wraps, gum shields and first aid kit share cupboard space with DVDs of honey. Save the last dance and the naughty professor too. Two quid in the tin and no one's counting. 6 p.m. Feels like morning. Give Jetmir a nod and plug the clock in. Jetmere once beat an England prospect so thoroughly the rival Jim tried to get him deported. The floor is in a constant state of slight wobble, as if one tile is missing. You feel a slide when feet twist down. The wall space is filled with laminated back pages from local papers of boys done good, sharing their hall of fame with ringside magazine pullout posters. World champions rubbing shoulders with hometown heroes. Lennox Lewis, MGM Grand, Sean Mahoney, kentish town irish center the back of the rope brushes against my achilles wait till the clock hits zero warm up till thoughts and movement become one the gym fills with bodies marlon alfie taylor jamal patrick simon fapper tj georgie Danny. rope skip in unison Bags swing and boom combinations on pads rattle like firecrackers Look in the mirror. In the hold my stance. stance. Keep the elbow in and join the jab. In, then jab. Work on shifting weight on the move. Put advice in practice till the body retains. Push weight down. Feel the energy rise up. Twist the foot. Turn the hip. Launch the punch. Turn the hip. Turn the hip. Every move, Every move punch. builds and increments distance. Hold in the, the stance and press it. elbow Outside of boxing, look in the mirror. All of my passion for life evaporates under the heat of existence, under the weight of expectation. Here, under these conditions, with this structure, I can build. The condensation fills the gym. Spar with my friends, making me strong by exposing vulnerability. Shots to the belly, knees go. Laughter. Dads moved out. Mum's working late. This is my home today. Sparring partners is siblings. Trainers as parents. Shouting combos and whispering plaudits. The sounds winds down two and a half hours of everything i've got the foot. and at the same time the hip. filled up Watch the punch. i changed my t-shirt big coat on while walking down the stairs i hear the chain twinkled in time to the sound of the blow jetmir's back on the bag and on hearing that i know while the gym is my home for jetmir boxing is life
9: Back to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Amorose, and for this month, January 2021, I'm going to focus on music that's been released recently out of lockdown with visuals and visual art collaborations. The first track I'm going to play for you today is Apricot by Bicep. Their album Isles was out yesterday. And they, um, I think they've done one before and they're doing one again, which is a live stream, which will go out on February 26th. It will be shot at the Saatchi Gallery and it features visuals from Black Box Echo. And the Cinematic Orchestra will also perform a live show at the South Bank Centre next Friday. You can find all the details for all the music that I'm going to be playing today and the accompanying visuals at our Twitter. At Roaring Twenties Radio. So here is apricots. apricots by bicep um the next track i'm going to play is a track called abstinence blues by meat raffle but this is a remix done by mix hell um it's an amazing track and the video visuals are made by lou smith and this is to mark independent venue week which i think will, is all going online uh, and it's going to be released on the 29th of january which unless I'm crazy is next Friday so you can buy that next Friday hear it now and watch the video at our twitter To Roaring Twenties Radio, I'm Emma Rose, and that was Abstinence Blues by Meet Raffle, remixed by Mixhell. This month, I'm bringing you some tracks by musicians who are making releases accompanied by visuals, or making their own visuals and live performances in a really creative way in place of the lack of live music that we have in our lives at the moment Next up, we have a band called Vanishing Twin. Amazing, multi-instrumentalists, wonderful group of people. And they have put out a film, performance film, really amazing performance film called Pensiero Magico. And you can find that at noonchorus.com, which um, the link will be on our Twitter if you need to find it. And the tickets are $12 and the money goes towards supporting the band. And you can also buy merch and their back catalogue is also on the site for you to buy as well so next up i will be playing vanishing twin with their track cryonic suspension may save your life Next up, we have a sound piece called Lack of by Lima Layton. Lima's actually part of Mix Hell, whose remix of Meet Raffles Absence Blues we played earlier in the show. For this, she is responding to um, the first chapter of Tradition and the Modern Age in Hannah Arendt's 1968 book Between Past and Future. This work is to accompany an online exhibition at Richard Saltoon's gallery called On Hannah Arendt, Eight Proposals for Exhibition. It's a wonderful response to the work and I will leave you to enjoy it now. You can find links to the video also made by Lima at our Twitter. That was Lackoff by Lima Leighton and you can see the complete work with the accompanying video at richardsaltoon.com as part of On Hannah Arendt, Eight Proposals for Exhibitions. Next up, I'm going to play a track by Tom Furs. You may know Tom from his work with the horrors. He also makes a lot of solo material and he's made two albums in lockdown. This track, Organ Meditation, is from the second album he's made, which was released I think last week, Ecstatic Meditations. Tom has also made an accompanying visual for that entire album, which will be screened in the near future. Of Roaring Twenties Radio, January 2021. Uh, just to run through the tracks that you've heard today, we've heard from Bicep, Meet Raffle and, and Mix Hell, Vanishing Twin, Lima Leighton and Tom Furs. You can find all the accompanying visuals at our Twitter. Our handle is at Roaring20s20s and the Instagram handle is the same. If you wanted to see some art, I would Google your favourite gallery. Most galleries have got online exhibitions at the moment, and there's just a plethora of great stuff out there. Um, one particular place I would go to have a look, other than what we featured Lima Leighton's work at Richard Sartoon, is the Videodrome site on which they have rotating video works, which is really interesting, and you're bound to see something that will surprise you there. really recommend that. And next up, we are talking Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death, with Selena. If it has escaped you, Selena has a book out on the twenty eighth of January. Uh, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. Uh, it's a wonderful work. I've read it, and um, yeah, we're going to talk to her all about her process, and we're going to chat about some things you may not know about Selena, <laughs> the history of her work. So that's coming up next. Thanks for listening.
10: Do not run away from the inevitable, the beautiful and glorious ending, the proof you lived, the life you lived. To live tasting metal is blood. To live saving tokens is death. To die is to have been alive. That is why you must live. Live free, live wild, live true, and live love alive. Let the fire burn you and the light blind you. Let your belly get full and fat and embarrass you. Let your words fall out and tumble, carelessly and honestly, Let all your passion be unlimited and do your lifetime all in your own lifetime. And let all your shit stink and all your roses bloom. May your every success be a threat. Fuck being scared and infected with fear and doubt. Own your rejections and own your failures. They are an excellent wall to smash and to kick against. Every morning, may you rise to fight and to create yet again, this time with both fists and not with one hand behind your back.
7: my brains, I know I'm beating my brains I with the liquor and drugs, I the liquor and drugs. Well I'm just a modern guy Of course i had it in my ear before last
6: whole
0: Welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio, the show for art, culture, books, poetry and activism. In this section we are joined by Selena Godden who is promoting her debut novel Mrs Death, Mrs Death which is published by Canongate next week. How are you doing Selena? you alright?
10: Oh, I'm very happy to be here as a guest on Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. Hello everyone.
0: Hello. And we also have Amarose Abrams asking the questions as well. How are you doing Amarose, you alright?
10: I'm all
9: right, yeah, all good. Now, what I really, what I remember really vividly about the first time I met Selena was at a gig. I think it was at the White Chapel. I was with my friend Peter. He's like, "You got to meet Selena, Selena Saliva. She's amazing," and I can't believe you haven't met her, and I can't believe you haven't hung out. And he was, and then we ended up hanging out. We hung out. We hung out, we hung out for the evening. Was the that morning, with Peter Doherty? Probably. Yes,
10: oh. I remember, and it was
9: at Rhythm Factory or something oh, that's the first no. time I remember meeting you properly
10: oh wow that's going back some time isn't it it's
9: magical, a long time magical times yeah oh. and I remember also and that's when I started to see you see you perform at gigs and I just wondered um I wanted to ask you how do you look back on those early gigging days you know in terms of your writing and things like that
10: um How do I look back? I look back, obviously, with nostalgia and big (laughs) sentimental kind of hazy rose-tinted glasses. But seriously, if you ever hear me going on about the good old days, they were hard times, you know. We were broke. We were hungry. We were skin. We were getting everything was being rejected. All our work was being rejected. So we, we were making all our work DIY. Everything was made DIY. Um and you know kicking hard and little smelly little pub rooms and pub basements and and just um and just really you know that's it's i think my greatest success is that at the age of 48 i still it's nearly 49 49 in june i still have the same um, um kind of love of it as i had when i was 19 to still have that passion that I had when I was 19 for poetry and for independent work and for artists and for the whole sort of making a noise and speaking up and inspiration and hope and yeah that hasn't gone away or changed at all in all these years.
9: And I wondered how you thought it influenced your prose writing, reading poetry, performing poetry because I think that it really helps a writer to read their work you, the work completely differently I do anyway it changes my perception of what I've written a lot of the time and I wondered if you think that that's kind of affected the way you write prose
10: I think so having a a relationship with speaking it aloud reading it aloud forming it having that rhythm and musicality in my writing has definitely come from having a, a base in in poetry and in writing music as well of course but lyrics but um I think with prose and fiction, I kind of enjoy the hiding and the camouflage of it. Whereas with poetry, I'm more in the centre. It's more memoir. It's more re- my reality, um, honesty. Whereas in fiction and uh, prose, you can hide a bit more and create characters and call it fiction. Although you're hiding there somewhere, you know, I think a little bit.
0: Yeah I was going to ask like being a poet on stage is sort of like being naked in many ways Um, and like you say with the book it allows you a bit of camouflage so your poetry has always been very honest though very raw very open very like this is me like holding it up and that's one of the most powerful things about it but do you feel like writing the book uh, enabled you to reveal things that you wouldn't reveal in poetry like have you sort of stepped over that line or is it just saying it in a different way?
10: um i think with this one i was very very embedded embedded in wanting to well i'm trying to say i think i wanted to tell myself a story it, this book started in from a, it comes from a place of pain it comes from a place of hurt and mourning and grieving and i wanted to tell myself a story about what death is who death is and and the audacity of death and 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 so by creating this character imagining death as a woman um, kind of helped me through that, um, and having a conversation with death as a character. So in that respect, um, yeah, I was kind. Of, I kind of was. It came from a place of trying to heal myself. I really didn't not let anyone read this, or wasn't even sure if I was going to even publish it. my own personal thing. Was to finish it. Um, I've said this a million times before, but it's really easy to have a good idea, but it's really difficult to finish a thing so you can lie in bed and have like the most amazing ideas but um to sort of force yourself to finish it even if you don't know if you're going to sell it even if you don't know if it's any good just finishing things is 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 the greatest uh, tricky thing isn't it for being a bit of poet or an art, any kind of art yeah yeah
0: absolutely
9: and um and i uh, with that in mind like i kind of but poetry's a great kind of like way to start that's why it's such a great it's a great way to start finishing things because they're quite short
10: hopefully so you
9: don't have to I mean <laughs> yeah, most of the time <laughs> not the ancient mariner you, know?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
9: but, but you can kind of like <laughs>
0: time for one more
9: quick one yeah yeah. Oh, I'm enjoying this. But, like, I don't know, and then also, because of your work with Saul Peter, your work in your band, I wondered how, like, you know, how writing music, you've talked a little bit about how writing music plays into your writing prose, but I wondered, like, do you miss writing music? Is that something you think you're going to continue to do?
10: Oh, I hope so. Collaborations, and whether it's working with Peter Coy last year i was um working with Anna phoebe um i really enjoy making music and working collaboration it's lonely isn't it so when you when you're making working with musicians you get to sort of work with i work through your ideas there's something really amazing about putting music to words it just they just come alive i think they just come in a different way um also it's another way of camouflaging. And also you get a little breather, you know, while they have the midsection or the drum section or the drum solo. You can kinda of catch your breath a bit. Um but I think I started you know, much much of the nineties were focused on making albums and making music. I did um, music with Cold Cut and Ninja Tunes traveled and toured with them that was amazing so exciting like can you imagine little naughty scene song, with all these sort of amazing dj blokes i had such a laugh um with that and and it really opened and open mind i saw amazing places I went to japan and i was only a, like a little wee poet then and yeah it was amazing poetry has been a really kind to me in that sense um yeah that I mean you know it's travel the world and meet amazing people it's not a bad job
0: really is it you know poetry but do you get oh sorry go on
9: no
0: no you go do you get more of a buzz sharing poetry in places where poetry doesn't necessarily belong or where it's not expected to belong so for example in a sweaty pub when there's a band playing and then you get up and do a poem or a political protest or somewhere like that where that's not where poetry is thought to exist. Do you get a sort of buzz out of that or do you think it's just because you are more drawn to the music and you're more drawn to the kind of people that operate in that world? That's an
10: interesting question. I don't think I've chosen those platforms on purpose trying to put poetry where poetry doesn't normally fit. That's a really interesting question. I think I've sort of been pushed there in some respects or I've just found myself there in the 90s, in the early days. Um, obviously I stuck out like a sore anyway. There wasn't that many Salinas around then, was sort of people that looked like me or was saying, or if I felt very much in my, own, in my own thing. It was very male, very white, very, you know, so, um or very posh and that was even that was even just, just scary really um so yeah i i, I think this do, taking poetry doing poetry that's what they said actually you've just reminded me in the uh mid 90s they were like selena saliva take poetry into the clubs and in those days it was um just all these amazing parties with djs and then i'd be reading side. Um Irving Welsh who was promoting train spotting then. And there was this big crossover of um, hedonistic voting and hedonistic clubbing that was going on in the mid-90s. And that was a laugh. That was good. It's like, yeah, that was good. Good time. Yeah, I bet.
9: <laughs> All right. Um let's we're gonna have a track now and so and come back after the track with some questions about Selena and her process. <laughs>
6: Betz on fire
10: Mrs. Death sees me. Mrs. Death sold me tobacco. Mrs. Death lives in my cigarettes. Mrs. Death is everywhere. She's hiding in plain sight. She is the working woman. She works in the shops and in the markets and laundrettes and factories. Mrs. Death is the woman we hardly see. The woman we do not care to see. She is the person we ignore. She is the pause in the silence. She is the invisible woman. She is the refugee at the border. She is the cleaner. She is the cab driver. She is the backing singer we never bother to learn the name of.
11: Stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in the sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Say nighty night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you'll miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me
0: deaf mrs deaf has been a couple of years in the making um and whilst you've been creating that you've also created things such as pessimism is for lightweights which is in itself like a social movement you've published uh live wire which was shortlisted for the ted hughes award you've created all this incredible work at the same time um and i just wondered if mrs deaf mrs deaf was one big pan on the hob and the others were all just little pans at the side (laughs) that you sort of moved between or if all of the ingredients were going into one pan and it just bubbled over and that's how it became different pop bowls of soup or different projects?
10: What a gorgeous question. So, um, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death privately writing to entertain myself, heal myself. Um, I was basically collecting deaths unusual deaths my search history is really strange now if anyone but yeah so just collecting deaths and people that near-death experiences or you know an unusual deaths and and celebrity deaths and the way people who got a hashtag and who didn't get a hashtag and and the way people um, responded to different deaths and so I'd been sort of keeping a secret file of that through the making of Livewire and Peders for Lightweights and it was like this ongoing project of piecing together um, this character and the way Mrs Death um, appeared and how she would appear and what she would eat and how she would dress and and just slowly building up this character this this timeless character and that to years, to, get off, to feel like i got right i don't know if i got it right but i, I feel like you know to feel that that she was something of substance um a, a black woman a poor woman um, and probably the most terrifying woman the most powerful woman in the universe uh, everyone's scared of death who isn't scared of death and so this the book's really sort of focused on that the on fear and um and combating fear although you know it's, it's mrs death mrs death is really about fear facing fear
0: yeah and it's such a powerful way to do that the way that when you're reading it like there's no avoiding it there's no escaping it it really does bring out the things that you sort of uh, don't really think about on a day-to-day basis. it just lays it out whether you're thinking about your own death or your loved ones or even just reading about deaths from Spain in the 1400s to Sarah Reed in Holloway prison, all it just you can't avoid it, and I think it reading that book like you say, it is a healing process like at times it is I don't want to say uncomfortable, but it makes you think about uncomfortable things in such a beautiful, powerful way. Um, yeah, so I can imagine that writing it must have been quite the journey.
10: yeah, it was quite terrifying. Um, you know as you know, I'm an early riser nowadays and getting up at four in the morning when it's pitch black and in the silence of the middle of the night writing. And then you know, reading all these terrible murders and terrible, terrible, scary, terrifying, violent events, um, and the injustice and the fury and the grief, just sort of flowing, and then just sort of feeling like someone standing in the room behind me. Going, really, uh, there were lots of lots of goosebump moments writing writing that, um, but that's that that's kind of a, a big force in the book. A lot of the deaths that have been included are the unmourned or the invisible or the vanished or the you know silenced or the kept silent um so yeah so that that, that 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 sort of presence of that scream the silent scream of someone's story wanting to be told or asking to be told um and it runs through it for me anyway
0: yeah
9: and it's it's a very powerful message as well that and i think it's like this kind of has been a perfect storm of that collective unheard voice. Kind of, I mean, after the, you know, that's kind of comes after you would have finished the book, but definitely throughout the last year, it's almost as we've all kind of been stopped in various ways from continuing our lives as we normally would, that collective unheard voice has been the one thing that's rung out.
10: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously was written and completed and already you know going to print before coronavirus or if you see what i mean so um it's very strange surreal scary to be publishing this book at this time in this way in lockdown um I questioned myself and everyone that's read it has said if anything it's timely and it's not timely in that trendy way but if anything because us to look at rituals and the way we talk about death and the way we mark death and the way we the language around death and so many funerals now online and everything's changing and shifting and it's, it's so much mourning and terror and silence and ways to talk about it or not talk about it um so it's strange to have written this book, not even knowing what was round the corner that this terrible, terrible, unimaginable thing was. Happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. At what point did you know it was a novel, as opposed to a, an album or a show or a sequence of poems?
10: Ah, oh, that's an interesting question. I think I think it's it's got the uh, potential to be all those things still. Um, I I did visit um, down in Whitstable and work on songs for some of the chapters. It was all, it was all part of making Mrs. Death into this 3D character, um, like how would she write letters and how would she write poetry and how would she write songs. And so I went down to Whitstable and hung out with the composer, my dear old uh, friend and uh, writing companion, Peter Coit. And we we wrote um, some, set some of the chapters to music and um, we did like three or four weeks together doing that and that was very that was a big experiment for me someone who's known for being quite saucy on stage or naughty or or provocative to then go on stage and and be quite um dark perhaps or or to sort of talk about death it was a, it was a real new area for me to be writing about and asking audiences to think about um i'm very interested actually once we're allowed to travel again just to, to perform this some more. It was very interesting to me to see how different cities and different counties and different places in the world relate to death or talk about death. I would read one passage in Edinburgh and everyone would almost kind of, you know quite raucous and raise a glass to miss his death. And then the very same week, I, I read um, the same excerpt in a poetry gig um, in bloomsbury and everyone was crying and it made me really wonder if in different parts of the country if we when we think about do we you know you know just some people i don't know is there a geography of mourning i suppose i'm trying to say i just i'm still you know it's just a question that came up in my mind when i was writing the book and and starting to share it
6: oh
9: Sounds like a whole other programme there. I look forward to
10: hearing (laughs) The geography of morning. But yeah, I mean, obviously people have different rituals all over the world. I wonder if it was closer, you know, even smaller than that. Um, Yeah, I felt, I felt, yeah, up in Scotland, they were, it was definitely more because or maybe it was just the event. I don't know. But yeah, I'd like to test that some more. Interesting. L- Lily Livers Sullivan, <laughs> <Was a> Lily Livers Southerners, <laughs> baby Southerners. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh,
9: and there was there was a song that was particularly important to you that we play today.
10: Ah, uh, this song. Are you talking about the Etta James? Yeah. Yeah. Now this song. I I stumbled upon this song and. And this is the song that if Mrs. Death sang, this is how she would sing. Um, and it's just a fantastic, the lyrics are amazing. Please forgive me, I can't remember the the name of the person that wrote the lyrics. Uh, I have to come back to you for that. But yeah, but Etta James's performance of this song is just absolutely phenomenal. And this is kind of how I imagine Mrs. Death kind of screaming at us a little bit.
7: children of Israel were to multiply. Why must any of the children, why must they die? So we asked the Lord in the Humbless Yucca tree chases round the desert cause it thinks that's where I'll be and uh, that's why I love mankind I recoil in horror uh, from the foulness of thee. All from the squalor and the filth and the misery How we laugh up here in heaven at the prayers you offer me And that's why
10: And that was Etta James, God's Song. And I apologise, the um, person that wrote that song is of course, Randy Newman. And that was the song that I was talking about before the break, Um, imagining um, Mrs. Death singing that. It it was definitely an inspiration whilst writing the book. You may now continue interviewing me.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Making us laugh. (laughs) <laughs> for the listeners we're on zoom we can see each other <laughs> which is great but it's making me giggle um with the book I the first it hit me as Matt was saying it's a very impactful book certain passages hit you very intensely and what the thing that I just remember reading the story of the fire and that passage where it's like Mrs Death is almost like some kind of hungry phantom like you can almost see like this kind of, like a fire hunting for its prey it's a beautiful passage very impactful um and me and Matt both wondered if the fire was inspired by the story of Grenfell
10: I think it was I think that that particular chapter was written around the same time um like i said i was collecting deaths and collecting stories and collecting hashtags and and, and 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 observing um but but grenfell obviously isn't the first time that that's happened um poor housing no. for poor people and um people who put profit before life was definitely um i think that was making me very angry so and 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 the injustice of it, and the injustice that's still going on. So I do. There's a salute to Grenfell, um, in the acknowledgements of the book, and to all the people that are still fighting for justice for Grenfell.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's. There's so many things like that, and like I mentioned, Sarah Reed as well. So many of those real life scores that just haven't been addressed, that are sort of just conveniently forgotten. Which mm-hmm. sort of links to my question my next question. Uh, True to form for you, it's a very rebellious book. Like I think it subverts a lot of society's unwritten rules and expectations. And I think it almost, it, it almost catches you out. It makes a mockery of it. So as a reader, you sort of, your gut instinct is to feel wrong-footed by the fact that death is a woman or a black woman or a working-class black woman. And there's so many things like that where it's like, well, why wouldn't that be the case? And it makes you question and makes you see the world. And I just wondered if there's any particular rule in there or any particular, like, subversion that, that was the most important to you, like whether it gender or race or class or anything like that. Was
10: there any, was there any subversion that was more...
0: more... <laughs> I, I sorry i uh, sorry i didn't word that very well i'm just thinking like it breaks a lot of rules or it breaks a lot of expectations and I I, I I wasn't sure if that was something that you consciously did that you consciously wanted to address or if that's just how the story came out naturally or if there was any particular um yeah if there was any particular rule Try that you wanted that. to break with a book yeah, yeah.
10: Yeah, I don't. I don't think I was rebelling on purpose. I think it's just the way I'm made and the way I make work. I like to be true to what I want to do, and I've never been particularly good at listening, have I? And I kind of, I kind of had an idea and I kind of ran with it in the way, in the way that, for example, that the book isn't all prose and some of it is letters, letter writing. Some of it feels like memoir. Some of it feels like diary, um, songwriting, poetry. Um, or newspaper articles I wanted it to feel like stories Chinese whispers so when stories are retold they come out differently with each telling um, when great thing when things happen in history then they get passed along in song and so I wanted that sort of feeling of things being passed along and condensed and you know perhaps nowadays it would be into a meme you know but in the olden days it would have been into a poem or a folk tale or a song perhaps Um, So I kind of wanted to capture that a little bit. Um, So it feels like you're getting information through through dreams and through different channels that's been passed through many retellings. So that's kind of why I chose to to, to have all these different types of writing. Also, I got to flex all my muscles and challenge myself to write in all these different ways and to write poetry as if I'm still, as a sort of 20 year old as Wolf would write a poem, some of the, the mistakes in the poetry that I th- are kind of on, not mistakes, but the naivety, um, not using punctuation, is, is to sort of how I used to write when I was 20, like little things like that, that are just little tokens. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, yeah, there's there's a lot in there. I, I don't want to give too much away, you know?
0: Yeah, fair, fair. That's I
9: just read. Really re- I really wanted to ask you about um, the piano chapter.
10: I love the piano. If the piano was a person, the piano would be like RuPaul or something. So glamorous. (laughs)
9: Yes, (laughs) but I just, it made me think. And then a few times in the book you say, well, that was the shape life made me. And then the piano says I could have, in a way I could have been, you know, it's like a desk saying it could have been a piano or I you know I could have been anything but this is the shape that life made me and I wondered if you could talk to me about that
10: yeah so there, there isn't actually a piano is there of course silly me I got that you meant the desk and the desk uh, yeah it's like oh I could have been a piano <laughs> yeah and I just love that I just love the idea that even furniture wishes it was a different shape <laughs> you know, as, as we all look in the mirror and go, oh, lockdown, lockdown belly. Um, Yeah, the idea that life makes you a shape and you grow into the shape that you're made, but no one else is your shape, no one else has your story, no one else has your voice, no one else has your fingerprint. It's a beautiful message that The Desk tells us, I think. Yeah, yeah, I
9: really,
10: really enjoyed that ch- chapter. Yeah, The Desk is a good character. I enjoy. I when I wrote the desk, I did. I did imagine the desk being just really, yeah, really just amazing, like RuPaul, just fantastic drag queen vibes.
9: (laughs) And is there any? um, Did did you when you when you were putting the book together, and what was? Were there any kind of? Was that? Did you know this is going to be a poem? This part of the book is going to be a poem. This is going to be from Wolf's point of view. This is going to be from Mrs. Death's point of view. Or was it quite organic or was it very mapped out? Oh
10: no, that changed a lot as as I went along. That that definitely changed a lot. Um some things were written as poems and then turned into prose and uh, yeah, no, there was a lot of toing and froing because of yeah, they're just really yeah, there was a lot of toing and froing. Yeah. Oh, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah.
9: It must
0: have been so satisfying when it finally sort of settled and sort of like found its final form. I know. Yeah.
10: I think it was a great, um, my my visit to Ireland, I went to Ireland to go and stay in the curfew tower as a guest of Bill Drummond and um, Noiriki and I spent a month living in a prison tower called the Curfew Tower. Um, and that was a real turning point in the writing um, and and really sort of solid I started finding my end there what what the end of the book was going to be and once you've got I already had you know once you have that then you can work backwards and see what you're missing in the middle Um, um, the curfew tower is an amazing place where artists and writers can go um, you stay and I went and stayed there for a month on my own when there was like a dungeon and it was terrifying in so many ways i'm so scared of so many things but we're back to fear you know it was like writing this book was about facing fears and so was going to the tower and um and facing so many fears like, like fear of the dark and fear of ghosts and fear of spiders but also bigger fears like fear of rejection fear of failure fear of success so that was a big learning curve. I had an amazing time in Ireland and the Guinness was beautiful.
0: Um, so I was going to ask, actually, because there is such a strong sense of home when you're speaking about that and when I'm thinking about Doll, but also there's a really strong sense of home sort of walking around Forest Gate. And I just wondered, this might be a bit of a weird question, but if you would just pick, picture Wolf at any particular time or place in that book, be it 1800s London or Cushendallow or Forest Gate, where do you think Wolf would be happiest if they had to set their desk down in one place and write forever? Because <laughs> it's such a the book's such a journey. Where do you think Wolf would settle down?
10: I don't think Wolf would ever settle down. I think I think there's a there's a lot of adventure still in that character. I think Wolf loved to explore time and space with Mrs. Death um so much of that book was composed um walking there's there's so much geography in that book psychogeography is that the word psychogeography in the book and walking around east london and walking around ireland and um and places that i've that i've visited in my dreams and and in reality kind of come out in that book like that strange tower in spain and, and things like that so yeah the, the, a lot a, a lot of walking around and then recording the uh dialogue into the phone so um, so it so i think that is why so much of the writing feels like you're moving there's a lot of movement in the book because yeah. because it wasn't made sitting typing for days on an hours on end a lot of the book was walking talking um you know into my phone and then typing up when i get back
0: do you still have those recordings?
10: Yeah, and a lot of those were used for the BBC Radio 4 documentary um, about the, the writing of the book back in 2018.
8: Amazing.
10: Yeah. Yeah, that was mad. Can we talk about that a minute? That was That was <laughs> courageous and mad and scary. Radio 4 asked me to make a documentary about me writing a novel that I didn't even know if it was a novel yet and then having to share my notes of a book that didn't even have a book deal yet. And then they followed me for a year while I was writing a novel and making music and doing the odd gig with Peter and also poetry gigs on my own and then giving them the tapes for them to then make a show with no idea what even this was and it wasn't even a finished book. That was that was a crazy experiment. It was really good fun though. But it meant I kept kind of three diaries going on. I had my diary that was my own thing and then a Radio 4 audio diary and then my own note diary oh it was it was crazy yeah do you think
9: that helps with the process of writing the book or it's kind of put the, the, the pressure the, on slightly
10: <laughs> it put the pressure on it really put the pressure on but it, but um yeah it, it put the pressure on but it, but i still didn't let anyone read it i still was like being really funny about letting anyone read it it took a that was uh that's my fear of rejection right there um you know fear of you know, that oh, i hate that feeling um so yeah so but eventually i got the courage up to let crystal may morgan own it um read it and she loved it and gave me so much confidence i'll always be really grateful to her and all her hard work
0: yeah absolutely and then next week the whole world will have it it's <gasps> so exciting no how
10: terrifying that
0: I is i can't imagine can you
10: imagine <laughs> I moved to London when I was 19 with my thesaurus and a head full of dreams. One of those dreams being to publish a novel and I'm going to turn 49 this year and have finally done it, <laughs> published a novel. I mean, talk about go the long way round, Selena. But yeah, we got there eventually. <laughs> oh, I just hope everyone gets it. I think people who have lost people or people who know what that's about they're the ones that will get it first, I think, will understand why you'd write such a thing. I think that's that's who I wrote it for, really. Um, people that are grieving and mourning, love, grief and fury. That's what that book is. Yeah. I
9: think so many people at the moment are going to be grieving in isolation or grieving on multiple levels for multiple people. It's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's an odd time. And I think something so healing about being able to, when you can't I don't know I process things by acting out a lot of the time and when you can't act out just to be able to have that intimacy with a text with a book with someone with you with your words I think is a very healing thing
10: yeah I'm I can't I I really agree with you I think the whole world is mourning right now whether it's direct loss or you know the the bigger things uh, you know the the last you know we're getting news feeds of the last elephant and the last this and the bleach coral reef and the uh, it's it's ongoing is it's the planet it's it's yeah there's a there's a whole there's a whole lot of mourning going on and also a whole lot of hope and a whole lot of pulling together and courage and we saw that at the inauguration, that young girl, Amanda, that poet, yeah. bringing so much courage, so much hope. I loved her. I thought she was amazing.
9: She won the heart of the world.
10: Totally, totally.
0: She really did. Well, I feel like this book is, is it gives you such, like, it's such a valuable experience to read. And I feel like I'm more equipped now to deal with the world It's a bit like if you're going to do something and your friend says, look, I know you're really scared, I'll come with you. Like reading that book is your friend coming with you to do that thing that you're scared of, I think. It's just, I feel so, yeah.
10: I think that's that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about anything I've ever written. Does it feel like that, like a friend?
0: It is a friend. I feel like now I've got a friend to hold my hand, basically. (laughs) That's
10: amazing. That's amazing.
9: I felt very reassured by the book as well. I just felt like, because there was, there's something these kind of there's something quite gnarly about Wolf, you know, like this quite. But I, I quite like that, and it made me feel less strange. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I felt kind of like I I felt kind of um, validated in a way by mm. some of the book. Yeah. Um, I don't really know why, but um, but yeah, let's have a track. So okay. um, okay.
10: It is your job, your only job, to seek out and support and nurture heroes. This is all your responsibility. We can all do our part in the chain to help others, to help others, to help the others who help the others, who inspire and help the others. Find the others. You are losing your libraries, museums, galleries, independent bookshops, pubs and music venues. So the beautiful spaces where thinkers and writers and artists could meet and share work and gather and blossom and dream are being erased. The survival of the hero is up to you all now. It is important, now more than ever, to fight for all of this. To fight for your rights, for your freedoms for art, poetry and music. Because you all need to be heroes, to step up, to speak up, to support each other. It is all about kindness, and you need the doers and the creators. You must pay attention to the ones who listen and hear and do and can and will and share. And to the people of science and art, books and music. Otherwise. What is the actual point of all of this? What was the point? Why are you all here if not for that? You are here for love, to share the love. When hate is rising, then love can only rise higher. We stare deeply now, into the charcoals of winter, and watch the last flames lick the chimney. The fires leave the sky and dance into the everything. All the warmth and all the joy is boiled in a soup of memory. We stir the good stuff from the bottom of the pot and hold the ladle up. Drink, we say. Look at all the good chunks of goodness. Take in your share of good times, good music, good books. Good food, good laughter, good people. Be grateful for the good stuff, life and death. We say drink.
9: back to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. We're talking to Selena about her book Mrs Death, Mrs Death which comes out this coming Thursday January the 28th. It'll be available on audiobook and in hardcover in a gold on black cover and then a gold on white cover which is only available in independent bookshops.
0: Yeah, so please pre-order it from your local independent bookshop. It's so important to support these businesses. And, yeah, get get yourself a copy as soon as you possibly can. The audio book is read by Salina as well, which is just incredible. So excited to listen to that. Um, and, yeah, it's going to take over the world, I reckon.
10: Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It's a real honour to be on Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Thank you thank
10: you thank you um before we go perhaps i can tell you some of my uh favorite books coming up for 2021 oh, awesome. would you like that
6: yes please, please.
10: do so here's a, a quick super quick list of books for 2021 that are coming out this winter spring or that are just just out now. Jenny Fagan, Luckin' Booth is amazing. Also check out John Higgs, William Blake versus the World. Courtier Newland, a river called Time is a special book and that just came out last week. Leona Ross, One Sky Day. Uh Max Porter, The Death of Francis Bacon, uh, Olivia Lang, Everybody, Carla Neblett. King of the Rabbits, Tory Peters, Deed Transition Baby, Nikesh Shukla, Brown Baby, Niven Govindan, Diary of a Film, Musa Okwanda, One of Them, An Eton Memoir, uh, Bookie Papillion, An Ordinary Wonder, Cherie Jones, How the One Armed Sister Sweeps the House, Rivers Solomon, Sorrowland. So there are some of my top tips, and we'll hopefully have some of those people on future Roaring Twenties radio shows.
0: Incredible. What a list. Yeah.
9: Thanks, Thanks, Selena
10: you're welcome you're welcome
0: thank you
9: yeah I've really enjoyed interviewing you today I was extremely nervous
10: I was a bit nervous being interviewed by you two today (laughs) thank you though that was fun I now know what it feels like to be to be you know to be under the pressure of being interviewed on this show
9: (laughs) I have to say I woke up really early as well which never happens (laughs) properly nervous (laughs) But thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Roaring Twenties Radio, a very special Roaring Twenties Radio, um, where we hear all about Selena's upcoming novel, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. And at the start of the show, obviously you've got our poetry and art sections. So um, we hope to see you next month. Um, I guess we'll still be in lockdown, so it'll be another remote show. So yeah, we'll see you again, virtually apart yet together.
0: You can find us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Roaring Twenties Radio. You can also find this show as a podcast in all of your usual providers. So please keep yourselves and yeah, we'll see you next month.
10: Oh, and if you've been enjoying the music on the show, I'm going to be making my Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death Spotify list public on publication day.
0: Ah, amazing. It's a
10: good one. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Bye. Cool. Bye. <laughs>